beautiful music this morning. You know, Brother Ben, I just looked down and realized that I've been on the entire time. I appreciate that. Everyone else really appreciates that. Take your Bible this morning and turn with me to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1. And while you're turning, let me read a song to you. Happiness is the Lord. Happiness is to know the Savior, living a life within His favor, having a change in my behavior. Happiness is the Lord. Happiness is a new creation. Jesus and me in close relation, having a part in His salvation. Happiness is the Lord. Real joy is mine, no matter if teardrops start. I've found the secret. Jesus is in my heart. Happiness is to be forgiven, living the life that's worth the living, taking a trip that leads to heaven. Happiness is the Lord. What a blessing it is to be a Christian. Amen. And we pray that you're happy this morning. We're going to start a new series of thoughts. If you weren't here in the Sunday school hour, we've shifted a few things. Next Sunday, we're going to be starting Romans and uh, uh, putting that in the adult Sunday school class and that treatise. It really demands attention to detail. And uh, having said that, the Lord has put Genesis on my heart. I've wanted for the last four, five, six, seven years to preach through uh, the creation account, never really having the opportunity because of different things or timing not permitting. And yet, as we come to this book, that's our focus, our attention being on creation. And we're going to exalt not only the creation that God has made, but the Creator. And as we do so, we want to give glory and honor to Him. We're going to be talking about anything from six literal working days, the seventh day of rest. We're going to talk about certain uh, subjects that might be a little bit controversial, controversial. the gap theory being one of those thoughts and trying to give some explanation as we look at other passages of Scripture. There's good people on both sides of the subject. And yet, as a uh, Bible believer and as a pastor, I want to give you some thoughts towards that. We're also going to look at uh, some very supernatural things concerning angels and demons. And I think it's going to be a blessing. But this morning, we're finding, we're finding ourselves in our journey, Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1. The word Genesis, it really means beginnings or origin. And as we think about Genesis, uh, speaking about creation, this morning I have adopted a title. This is not from me. This is a renowned topic and title that many people, many Christians would kind of dive off as a diving board into the subject. And it's entitled The the Theology of uh, Creation. The Theology of Creation. And the reason for that statement and that title is found in Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1. The Bible says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Father, we come to You with gladness of heart. Lord, we love You. We thank You. Lord, what a privilege it is to be able to take the Bible and to teach through the Bible. God, we pray that You would help us. The very first chapter, the very first verse, the very first book, to magnify You in all of this, to give You glory through all of this. Lord, that You would strengthen our faith, that You would encourage the brother and the sister. Lord, that You would help us to be faithful, to stand in a world of great opposition. We love You. We thank You. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Probably one of the greatest reasons of preaching through this account is not only to know the Bible, but because of such controversial topics and subjects that belong to the thought of creation. 
It does not take a rocket scientist to understand that we live in a world where this topic's being under attack, whether it be the scientific world attacking the account and the record here in Genesis, or even the educational world, higher education, or maybe even on a smaller playing field such as elementary, middle, and high school, leading up, teaching it not as theory, but evolution as fact. And then uh, it's really sad to say, but even in the Christian world, there are great numbers of Christians that would want to mix the theology and what the Bible says as God is the only one that was there in the beginning. And science as we know it is observational to uh, imply that evolution is not a theory but is stated as fact. And so we want to do our very best to uh, go to the Scriptures. And I'm a pastor, I'm a preacher, I'm a student of God's Word as you well know, and so that's the approach that we're going to take, and yet trying to correlate uh, with, in this study, a great amount of scientific truth. And so, as we think about the theology of creation, creation comes from God. In the beginning, God created. Meaning that it was created only by Him and through Him. In the beginning, God created. You know, the word theology, it comes from two Greek words, and it's really broken down into two ways. Theos meaning God, and logos meaning word, God's word. And ology, the word or that root word ology, meaning the study of, a subject of. And so as we think about theology, it is the the God Word or the study of God. The Word, the study of God in relationship to God. As we come to the Bible, Bible Bibliology, the study of the Bible. As we come to angels, angelology, the study of angels. And so as we come to theology, it would be the study of God. And the way to understand God and know God clearly is to go to the only textbook that has the source uh, of information that's accurate, and that is God's Word. He is the author of this book. And as we think about creation, in the beginning God created, stating that all things come from God. And so this morning, we want to talk about the theology of creation. Let me give you a lot of verses to kind of go through with me. We're going to take and go through a number of things, but turn with me to the book of Colossians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, and the focus this morning of our study is looking primarily at verse number 1 and talking about how God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, the triunity of God is seen in every aspect of Genesis 1.1. Now think about it with me. At face value, someone might say there's only two things that are stated in Genesis 1-1 that God created, heaven and earth. But that is in fact incorrect. The Bible says in the beginning, the beginning uh, testifying and constituting the thought that God created time. And so as we look at Genesis 1-1, there are three things that are stated that God created, that God uh, designed and brought into existence. Now, also as we go to the book of Genesis, there are some key words that you need to um, think with me about. The word create testifies and implies that God brought something into existence that was not there before, that none of its elements were there before. Now, I can make a house, but I can make a house because God created the trees, and God created the, uh, the, 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 the rocks, or the stone for the foundation, or the materials and uh, elements that are brought together to make that house. Whereas creation is only 
made and only come from God. You know, one, one reason why God hates idolatry, what is idolatry? Idolatry is bowing down and worshiping an image made, crafted by the hands of humanity, either out of stone or wood or some kind of thing that in essence God created. Paul said not being a God because there's only one God and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 1, the Bible says in verse 16, it says, For by Him were all things, what? Created, that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, or principalities, or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. Now the Bible says in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created two places, heaven and earth. And the Bible states that same fact here. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven, not heavens as some Bibles would promote. A lot of Bibles get that wrong. Now as we think about the two locations, we see that there is heaven and that there is earth. Now, as you look at heaven throughout the Bible, heaven is given in three lights or three views. There is the sky, there is the space, and then there is the actual location where the throne of God is, the heavens. But the Bible says in Genesis 1-1, also in Colossians here, that God created heaven. And He states what is in heaven. He also states to some degree what is in earth. Verse 16, For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and the, 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 that are in the earth, the earth, visible things that you can see. I can see trees. I can see uh, uh, the beasts of the field. I, I can see uh, children. I can see flowers. I, I can see things. Uh, things that are invisible such as uh, angels and uh, seraphims and cherubims, uh, the tree of life. I've never had the opportunities, you know, as a tree uh, surgeon, tree expert, maybe one of these days God in, eternal, in the eternal realm will allow me to kind of uh, help have some care and, 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 and uh, tend to that tree. I don't know. But we, we do know that there are things seen and th- things that are not seen. And so God created them all. Look with me in John chapter 1. I know a lot of these verses are very basic, and yet as a foundational truth, they needed to be stated first and foremost. The Bible says in John chapter 1 and verse 1, "...in the beginning..." was the Word. The Word is seen down in verse 14. That Word, His name is Christ. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Two definitive statements to give us an understanding of what was going on and who was there in the beginning. Christ was with God the Father, but Christ is also God because Christ is a part of that triune being of the Godhead. We're going to look at God, the theology of creation. In Genesis 1-1, three things that God created, the beginning, time, heaven, space, and then the earth, matter. Three things that God created. And in, in all three subjects, you can see the Trinity in the way that God made them, how they function, and also as we go to the Scripture, you can see uh, very much things that are pertaining to them. The Bible says in verse verse 2, the same was in the beginning with God, all things were made by Him. 
and without Him was not anything made that was made. The theology of creation is so important because the only place that you can go to understand the origin of all things is theology. Scientists weren't there in the beginning. You and I weren't there in the beginning. No one living was there even in the beginning. Now, we're even going to talk about Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve not even being there in the very first part of the beginning. And as we look at creation, God brought them into being and into play, and yet no one today can definitively state, scientifically prove, and as science is all uh, based on observation... No one has the answer except God's Word. That's why it's so important to first and foremost defend the faith by saying that God created. He created. It wasn't brought in through trillions and billions of years of evolution because the Bible states a period of time called the beginning when God made it. And He states it over and over and over again. Look with me in Psalms chapter 104. Psalms 104, the entire chapter speaks about the power of God through creation. Now there's 35 verses. We're not going to take and read all 35 verses for sake of time, but let me just read a few of them for you. The Bible says in verse 1, Bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord my God, Thou art very great. Amen. Thou art clothed with honor and majesty, who coverest Thyself with light. As with a garment, notice that the glory of God shone round about. No need for the sun and that new heaven. Why? Because He is the light. He covers Himself with a garment of light. Who stretcheth out the heavens like a curtain. Who layeth the beams of His chambers in the waters. Who maketh the clouds His chariot. Who walketh upon the wings of the wind. Who maketh His angels spirits his ministers of flaming fire, who laid the foundation of the earth, that it should not be removed forever. Thou coveredest it with the deep, as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. At thy rebuke they fled. At the voice of thy thunder they hastened away. They go up by the mountains. They go down by the valleys unto the place which thou hast founded for them. Thou hast set a bound that they may not pass over, that they turn not again uh, to cover the earth. He sendeth the, the springs into the valleys which run among the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild asses quench their thirst. By them shall the fowls of the heavens have their habitation which sing among the branches. He goes throughout the entirety of this chapter and he speaks volumes, the psalmist does, about the power of God through creation. Now we know according to the Genesis account that God spoke it six literal days and God spoke things into being. And God said, let there be. And it happened. The power of God's voice is seen throughout the Scriptures, whether it be all the way in the book of Genesis or even at the end of times as the Word of God proceedeth out of the mouth of God in that battle of Armageddon and the bloodshed, the Bible says, is as deep as the horse's bridle. It's the power of God's Word. Who is the Word? His name is Jesus. And by His Word, all things came into existence. Things seen and things that are not seen. 
Now what I find very unique here, and this is something that needs to be stated, Genesis 1.1, it's not halfway through the Bible, it's not three quarters of the way through the Bible, it's not all the way uh, to Paul's ministry that God confronts us with the very core of, of, of Christianity. It's in the very first book, it's in the very first chapter, it's in the very first verse. And the confrontation that God speaks to us about He confronts us with the subject of faith. And this is what you have to decide. Do you believe the Bible? It's not halfway through the Bible that this question finally hits us or permeates the pages of God's... It's the very first chapter. It's the very first verse. It's the very first book. Do you believe God's Word? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We know that it's impossible to please God without faith. Look at Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. And look down in verse 28. Acts chapter 17 and verse 28. It says, For in Him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of our own poets have said, for we are also His offspring. Whether the unjust, the unsaved, realize it or not, as the Bible states, we live, we move, and we have our being. All of these things are because of God. Someone might ask the question, has God been good to you? What's the answer? Well, it's obvious. I'm breathing. Isn't it a joy to just simply live, to experience life? Even the bad times are there. And as you look at the bad times as a child of God, there's a sense of joy to live through those things, to experience God's companionship and to know what it feels like to find victory over the hardships of life. All of our life belongs to God. This is what A.W. Tozer said, we can hold a correct view of the truth only by daring to believe everything that God has said about Himself. If you don't believe Genesis 1-1, you can't believe John 3-16. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Look with me in Luke chapter 16. Now, I want you to uh, be reminded of what Christ says about Genesis. Someone might say, well, I believe parts of Genesis, but I can't believe all of Genesis, and honestly, let me just state it, if you don't know where I stand, I am an anti-theistic evolutionist, meaning that I stand in opposition to believe that God used evolution as the automobile to get the creation of of this world into existence. The Bible states otherwise. And yet there are Christians that have a compromised position because of science falsely so-called in their thinking and what they've learned from uh, universities and colleges or even on their own that is not based and grounded upon God's Word. Again, observational science, no one being there except God. God's Word speaks it, and yet uh, they still want to implement the two. You can't have your cake and eat it. Cain and Abel. It's either God's way or it's no way. 
It's through what the Lord says. He is the door. There's only one door to go to heaven and it's either through Him or you don't go to Him at all. Look at Luke chapter 16. The Bible says in verse 29. You remember the story of Luke chapter 16? A rich man that died. The Bible says he went to a literal place called hell. Notice what the Bible says. Now this is Christ speaking. Christ spoke about hell more than anyone else. And the Bible says in verse 29, Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. The first five books of the Bible is prior to the nation of Israel, prior, uh, excuse me, prior to the, there's parts of the nation of Israel being birthed in the in, in that period of time, but but really it, it, it speaks volumes as you look in Genesis prior to the existence of the nation of Israel, prior to the existence of Moses, and yet he he speaks about Moses because Moses is the human penman that God uses to record what first five books of the Bible: Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The Bible says, Abraham saith unto, unto him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead. Again, man wants to take part of God's Word and part of their own reasoning to make it happen. And God says, no. It's always been the same subject. It's always been the same answer. It's either God's way or it's not a way at all. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses, meaning what? Did Christ speak of Genesis 1-1 as being authoritative, as being pure, as being uh, uh, infallible, as being right, as being correct? Absolutely. What is a part of the first five books of the Bible? The creation account, meaning that God's Word, whether it be Genesis or Revelation, is all accurate. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. And He said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded. I want you to circle the word persuaded. We're going to give you some science, but really, as students of God's Word, we're going to give you the Word because... It's the Word that is eternal. Heaven and earth passeth away. And science has evolved within itself. Uh, Learning and growing and finding out new discoveries and theories no longer being uh, theories at all, but being exempt out of the equation because finding out that they're wrong and and so forth and so on. To state that man knows everything about Genesis 1-1 is ludicrous. God was there. God knows it. God understands it. And and Christ speaks that they have Moses and the prophets. Neither will they be persuaded though one rose from the dead. Could God give some kind of miracle? Could God send some kind of angel that would uh, uh, project on a screen or or allow us to visually see way back in Genesis 1-1 when things began and how they were brought in. Could God do that? Sure He could. But that's not the way in which He's promoting His program. It's through His Word. It's through His Word. Look with me in uh, Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3.
Ephesians chapter 3 and look down in verse number 9. The Bible says, And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning, there's that word, in the beginning God created, which from the beginning of the world, let me say two places. Does the Bible not state in the book of Revelation? There are two places. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. There's two places that He is going to destroy and recreate a new heaven and a new earth. And the Bible says here, in the beginning of the world, things that had been hidden God who created, notice this, notice this, who created all things by Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He is the Creator God. Christ, look over in Matthew. Think about this with me. Look in Matthew chapter, chapter, well, I don't know if we want to read the entirety of these chapters or not, but Matthew chapter 8. Look at some of the miracles that are listed. Uh, Matthew chapter chapter 8. In my Bible, the first thing that is listed is a heading that says, Jesus heals a leper. Matthew chapter 8, 1 through verse 4. The second thing, found in verse 5 through verse 13, Jesus heals the centurion's servant. Look in verse 14 through verse 18. Jesus heals Peter's wife's mother. Why would He do that? I guess He loves your mother-in-law. Amen. I mean, just continual passage after passages after passages. Look in verse 28. Jesus cast out demons. Look with me in Mark chapter uh, chapter 8. Look in Mark chapter 8. Look down in verse number 1. In those days the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called His disciples unto Him and He saith unto them. What does He do in this passage? He feeds 4,000. You can look over in Matthew chapter 11. Go over there, Matthew chapter 11. I'm trying to give you a a few verses here to think about and and to turn with me to, but Matthew chapter 11 states it, verse 5, a number of things that Jesus does. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached unto them. There's a lot of things that Jesus did there. Supernatural, scientific, elements of this world. Right? Look in Mark chapter 4. Why does Jesus have authority over this world? Because He created this world. How did He know to cast your nets on the right side of the ship and they would bring in a multitude of fish? Because He created the fish. The Bible says in in Mark chapter 4 verse 35, And the same day, when the evening was come, He saith unto them, Let us pass over into the other side. And when they had went away, when they had sent away the multitude, they took Him even as He was in the ship. And there were also with with Him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind. 
right? You know this passage. Look down in verse 40. And he said unto them, Why are you fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Hmm. I'll tell you why they were fearful. Because of the storms. They were also fearful because they were astonished at the power of Christ. What does he say in verse 39? And he arose and rebuked the winds, and he said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the winds ceased, and there was a great calm. How does he have power over these things? Because he's the Creator. Jesus Christ. In the beginning, He was the Word. He was with God because He is God. And we see the Trinity in Genesis 1.1. Now think with me. Go, go with me back to Genesis 1.1. The focus of Christianity at large, when you hear about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, seen in creation, is in the creation of when He made man in what? Our image. That's where most Christians go. And rightfully so. So let's look there. Genesis 1, he says down in verse 26, and God said, let us make man in our, indicating that there were more than one individual, more, more than one persons there. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We know that the Spirit was there because if you look in Genesis 1, uh, 2, the Bible says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God did what? It moved. In the beginning, God. God the Father. Genesis 1.1. John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was there, part of that Godhead, the Holy Spirit being present there. And the focus of Christianity speaking about the Trinity in creation, it's all in Genesis 1.26. But it's in every part of verse 1 of Genesis. In the beginning, God created three things. Time, in the beginning. Heaven, space. And then earth, matter. Three things that we look at in a scientific way that we see the fingerprint of God every time we look at them. Now, the first one that I want to talk about, we're going to close here with this first point. We'll look at the other two next week, and that is time. Science will talk about the arrow of time, the direction in which time goes. We understand that. Time could be illustrated in this realm, in this world, in this way. If you had a glass of water, and it was a clear glass, and you could see throughout that entire glass of clear water. And you took a red, a, a, a dropper with red food coloring dye, and you drop one little drop into one central location of that glass. It would immediately hit that water and disperse outward. That is the direction in which time goes. We can't redo our past. We can't go back into the past. But as we understand time, time is broken up into three parts. It's seen in the past historically, in the present right now, and in the future someday to come. Now, man has kind of given us these little idioms or these little sayings to kind of help break down the mind-boggling scientific thoughts of time people can't really uh, they, they can't really describe time you can't touch time but you see the effects of time right 
You can't fill time, but you, you again, time governs every aspect of this world. And really, I think in correlation to Genesis 1-1, it also to some degree governs the supernatural realm, at least right now. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And you can see, even as we look just here recently at the book of Daniel, how there was an angel that was sent by God to Daniel, and yet for 21 days, Daniel fasted, and 21 days in the earth realm, uh, uh, he was fasting, but also 21 days in the spiritual realm. And the angel makes note of that time. 21 days. How many hours are in a day? 24. So 21 times 24. You do the math. There's, a, there's an element of time that was seen in this, this world, also an element of time that was seen in that world. But let me remind you that God sits outside of time. He is infinite. Idioms. Let me just give you a few of these to kind of uh, break up uh, the, the soberness of, of this message a little bit. And, uh, just to give you something to think about. A race against time. How is that possible? You know, all in good timing, as if some timing is bad. You know, borrowed time. Can we really do that? Crunch time. Face time, right? Downtime. Good times. I'll catch you some other time. When the time is ripe. Let me remind you that Jesus is eternal. He is in all realms of time. Do we see Jesus in the past? Absolutely. In the beginning, God created. Do we see Jesus in the present? He's on the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. But we also see Jesus in the future as He is going to return, First Thessalonians chapter 4. And that's not even the end of it. Time is something that boggles the mind of the greatest student. And yet with God, it's just, it's just He created time. Look in Psalms chapter 90. Psalms chapter 90. Verse 12. This is what Jesus says on a practical note through His Word, the psalmist David, concerning time in our life. Okay? We don't have the economy... uh, Excuse me. We don't have the luxury of being eternal beings in the same sense that God does because we have a beginning. We also have an ending to this world. We understand that we're going to die. We are eternal in the sense that we have, what? Eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have, what? Everlasting, eternal life. But we are reminded about time just in a simple way. Psalms 90, the Bible says in verse 12, So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. I'm not going to be around forever, right? Look in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 and down in verse number 16. The Bible says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Does it mean that 24-hour periods of time in which God created are evil? No, He's giving us a, a figurative statement here. that We can understand life is fleeting, life is passing. The days are evil because you can't 
return back to your 30s once your 40s, Pastor, you know, have come to your door. There's no way to go backwards. There's this arrow of time. But with God, He sits outside of time. Look in Hebrews chapter 13. He sits outside of time because He created time. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 8. He gives us three aspects of time in association with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Past, present, and future, you see Him in all three realms of time. Go with me back to Psalms 90 again. Psalms 90, and look down in verse... 2, and then we'll go to verse 4. It says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Verse 4, For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. It speaks of how transcendent God is with time. Look with me in Revelation chapter 1. You see God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, in all three parts of Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created time, in the beginning God created heaven, in the beginning God created the earth. Time, space, and matter. Okay? Revelation chapter one, he says down in verse number 4. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be to you and peace from him which is, this is Christ, speaking about Christ, which was, which is to come. You know, these atheists are, and, and evolutionists and these people that just defy the Word of God, they're missing out and they're missing out on the, a, a true relationship and the joy of knowing an eternal God, a creator of all things. That gives purpose. He, he defines life. He gives meaning and joy and happiness, fulfillment. All of these things revolve around God because He's the creator. I think the nature of God is seen in His creation. He, he is... Um, a designer. He's the word intelligent does not do him justice because we don't know, we can't even begin to understand how something is brought into existence from nothing. And yet this is the power of God. The Bible says down in verse net number eight of Revelation one, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning in the beginning, and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come. The what? Almighty. The Almighty. Look with me in Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. And look down in verse 4 and verse 5. Now think about this. This beautiful phrase that we understand in association to the gift that God gave to us through His Son the grace of God, Calvary, all that Christ would do, but associated 
in this concept of time, how God sits outside of time, how God is orchestrating. We talked about it this morning, how God, He knows the beginning from the ending, and yet He allows us to make our own choosing. And yet through all of it, He has His will mapped out. And he, nothing surprises God. Galatians, the Bible says in verse 4, but when the fullness of time was come. That statement is so profound. When the fullness of time was come. Fullness, complete, ready. God had set a specific time aside and He can do that. We can't do that. We try to do that. I, I have a calendar. I have a date book. I have an itinerary. I try to set time aside. And, and, and most of the time, I, I accomplish that. In, in theory, I try to do that. But I don't have the luxury of knowing the future. That's why He says in the book of James that we should be saying, if the Lord will, I'll go into the city and buy and sell and trade. If God allows me to come tomorrow, if the Lord will uh, give me the breath to wake up in the morning, then this is what... But I don't have the luxury of stating this is definitely without a question. I know I'm going to be doing this tomorrow. God does. And He says it in this verse, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son made of a woman. And who's, who, who was that woman? Mary. God knew this. We're looking back at this, but God knew all of these things before Genesis 1-1 was ever made, ever, ever started, before things ever came into being. This is the power of God. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth the Son made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that are under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. This is the power of God. God can bring peace to your past. He can bring purpose to your present. And He can bring hope to your future. Because He is in all three elements of time. I want to read you just a few things I wrote down from a commentary. And hopefully this will give some insight. Time is the first element of the triunity of the universe generated in the future, flowing through the present and into the past. We cannot understand or control time. We can only experience it. All things that exist are experienced through and by time. Space itself is experienced in time. Matter is only revealed as the motion that its energy manifests during time. Time cannot be um, separated or removed from any of the universe. I'm not a scientist, but I've heard of things and theories and, and truths about uh, time and association um, to how close it gets to light and, 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 and different things of that nature. I, I don't know uh, a, a lot of science, <laughs> but I do know the Bible. And as we look at God, it is amazing to see how miraculous He is. Look with me in Isaiah chapter 57. Isaiah chapter 57. 
And look down in verse 15. Can I say that the Lord is above and outside the sphere of time? The time that passes on the earth is of no consequences uh, to God. He He has a timeless perspective. A second is no different than an eon with God. The Bible says in verse 15, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and the holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to receive the heart of the contrite one. Isn't it wonderful to think in the beginning God created? And you and I, we can have fellowship with God. One of the most to me, one of the, one of the great, uh, one of the great, beautiful pictures of God's love and His 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 mercy and His goodness is seen in the cool of the day. That they what? They walked with God. Isn't that wonderful? I don't have that tangible experience, but of seeing God and feeling God and hearing His voice. But we do have that through His Word as we walk through life, that we can govern our time. You know, I'm grateful that we set aside time on Sunday morning and Sunday night. We have a Wednesday night service. I'm grateful that I can teach my children to number their days and to serve the Lord and that life is coming to an end. I'm grateful that I know someday there's an eternal purpose for my wife and I and our children and for each one of us as Christians that time... God gave us all of these luxuries and we try to take something so profound even in the world of science with with time and we make it so simple uh, with these idioms and these little sayings that we have about time. But it's so wonderful to know that He is the Creator and He has it all under control and someday, just in the fullness of time, He sent forth His Son also, in that same sense, he's going to return. When's he going to return, Pastor? Preachers have been talking about this. I've heard this all of my life. I, I've read books that are 150 years old that talk about First Thessalonians. When's it going to happen? I don't know. But I know when he's ready, when he's ready, and we see him past, we see him present, we see him future. And not just God the Son, but we see God the Father, we see God the Holy Spirit. Father, we love you this morning. We pray that you've been glorified uh, through this. We, we definitely want to exalt you and your handiwork. We want to just um, say that we feel so incomplete, small, insignificant, minute, just little, 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 uh, smaller than that. Uh, God, I don't know anything without you. I don't exist without you. I, I don't have purpose without you. And Lord, I pray that you would help our finite understanding to comprehend some of the great deep things of the Bible. Lord, to be able first to worship you, to thank you for who you are, but then second of all, to be able to defend the Bible as we know it's definitely under attack. God, thank you for my past, how I came to Christ. Lord, my present, how I'm serving you. And Lord, I do pray for my future that you would enable me to be faithful. Lord, that I would not do anything displeasing to you. 
God, I can keep my eyes on, on Calvary. And Lord, to look for that glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We love you this morning. We install all of this in your precious name. Amen.